0: back from the drudges of life the virus the lifestyle the quarantine fiend hi this is chris with romanus records thank you so much for tuning in this week we have adam graz from sm wolf right here out of indianapolis sm wolf is a fuzzy psychedelic power pop family right here in indiana Uh, they have put out Three or four different albums. They're all rad, and they have a new one that came out just a few weeks ago called Phases of What. And I brought Adam on to talk about it as well as just discuss all things SM Wolf, including touring Japan, being in Europe, Life on the Road, Mike Dixon, Soulmate, all of it. If uh, this is your first time listening to the Romanus Records podcast, we attempt to do this weekly. We struggle often. (laughs) But uh, we interview different bands and different labels from across the U.S. and the world and talk about the lifestyle of what it means to try to get by doing the thing. So, their new single, "Deposits of Truth, will be right at the end of this podcast, so please listen to that if you know what's good for your ear holes. Without further ado, welcome to this raw episode of the Romanus Records Podcast.
1: Three, two, one. Hey, hey. hey we hey. got, we got Adam on here. How do you uh, say your last name properly? Gras. 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 Okay, it's, it's important. I think there is some confusion. People don't know how to say Romanus either. I get a lot of uh, Romanus, and a definitely... lot of. Uh, oh. it could definitely be Romanus. You know. <laughs>
2: That's, I was think I always thought it was Romanist until like a year ago. I heard you say
1: it. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I don't know if I'm saying it right either, man. I just, I just made it, and so, you know, you made, like, yeah. like lots of great leadership in this country. You know, that's what I say is has to be true. Yeah, I have. You can tell. You can like. I've got a good heart, right? Can you sense it? You're
2: infallible. I can sense your heart. I've sensed your heart. I've felt your heart. I've reached <laughs> even, even
1: to you. <laughs> yes, please. Um. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, this is already going the way of my high school relationship. That's
1: right. That's right. Well, uh, yeah, I wanted to have you on today. It felt like the right time as yeah. your new album, Phases of What, came out, what, last week?
2: Yeah, Friday. Last Friday.
1: <clears throat> All right, and that came out on uh, people in a position to know. That's how do right. you how do you say it? How do you how do you pronounce the acronym? It's always tough for me.
2: I always said P-aptic. Uh I've said Piaptic for ten years, and then Mike corrected me this summer that it's pioptic.
1: Pioptic. Okay, yeah. I've always said pipe packed. <laughs> pipe packed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So many people have been like, "What's this label plaptic that you're on because the, <laughs> I think the capital I is an L, but why would why would there be a, a lowercase L when every other letter is capital?
1: You know I, You know, I don't know, but Mike, Mike Dixon, the owner of that fine, fine label, fine man, uh, he, he hasn't followed the rules his entire life, so I think it, would be, <laughs> it wouldn't be beyond anybody to think like, "Hey, you know." How do, how do you sell this pipe packed? You know, like I, I'm yeah. inserting words that don't even like letters that aren't even in there. So
2: that's that's true. For Mike to tell someone to follow the rules would be a little hypocritical.
1: It would be. Um, didn't he recently buy like a '70s um like triangle car essentially?
2: Yeah, he did. In like yeah. Kansas. He bought a triangle car in, like, Kansas or
1: something. It's got, like, a motorcycle engine in it, I think. Yeah, Yeah. like a station or
2: something. (laughs) But it's street legal, though. (laughs) drove it back to Tucson. I think it broke down, like, every day.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sure it wasn't meant to be driven that far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's... I can't imagine that's interstate legal. I just can't imagine.
2: No, I mean, they can't... I, yeah, who's going to pull over a triangle car? I mean, you know, what kind of maniac is going to drive in that?
1: I mean, when you think that they're from the future, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we got Blink-182 out here leading the UFO renaissance, you know, so you I know, it's hard to know what to think anymore.
2: I open it up and it's Tom DeLonge and a big eye alien thing.
1: <laughs> well, hey. We're here to talk. We're here to talk about you. Um, so no, I like. Oh but, yeah, I okay. like it too. I like keeping it loose. Um, you're in a fantastic band called SM Wolf, a band. Mm. I uh, I really enjoy, and I'm not saying that just because I need a podcast interview this week. I really <laughs> like it. I really like your band a lot. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I will. I listen to it periodically for pleasure, not not just for because I'm committing my civic duty as a member of the Indiana Broader Music Association. Um, It's good tunes, man. And um, your last album, uh, Bad Ocean, I love that album. I just bought a second copy of it last week um, because I'm a loser. And, uh, (laughs) like, yeah, there's some great jams on there. Uh, I, I think I told you I love Dark Chasm, It's got that Mm -hmm. rat on there I like that Mm -hmm. rat Definitely Um, rat It's so good Um, And your new album Phases of What dropped last week And yeah I just thought it'd be a good time To have you on and talk about that So um, I guess before we get knee deep in that um, Let's get a little Background on you Uh, Your band uh, When did it start When did SM Wolf begin
2: um about about like seven years ago six or seven years six years ago i think
1: okay um yeah and it's not just you in this band Uh, who else is what other members are in this band
2: yeah so well it's it's loosey-goosey just like this podcast (laughs) um so initially it was just going to be a one-off I was in another band at the time called Amo Joy, and it was just going to be like a one-off thing. My friend was—I was—I had a—I had a New Year's Eve party, or no, I was at my friend's New Year's Eve party, and my friend Dave was there, and he was like, "We were talking about how it'd be great to be able to just make music and not have to worry about being in a band and doing the band thing." And uh, <clears throat> uh, like a month later. Dave hit me up and he was like, "Dude, let's do a record. I'll like, let's release a tape. I'll do one side, you do the other side. We we record it, make a band, we play one show, and that's it. Like yeah. no expectation. yeah, boom, hit it and quit it. And we were that was the plan. So I I like I had all these songs that I recorded for Emo Joy and I uh, or didn't record for Emo Joy. Emo uh, Joy was a little more." poppy like tweeish, ish i guess happy sun and kind of stuff and i wrote some like darker sounding stuff and i was like all right i'll just use i'll just use these b-sides i got and recorded it all myself and then put together a three-piece to play it at that show and then it was super fun uh so we didn't follow the rules and kept playing uh <laughs> So, I recorded the first record myself, and then like we kind of had like kind of had this loose band of a couple people that were playing with me, but like we weren't really solid yet and i I had already started recording a couple tracks that I just added to uh for to make the next record, so the first l p is all me all, so uh in the meantime, like after. As I was getting ready to release, though, the band like solidified. So uh, it's me, uh, Ben Leslie, Melanie Rao, and Rachel Lineking were the band um, at that time. And then uh, Rachel was a like, wedding photographer and wasn't able to make it to everything. And Mel had some health issues and wasn't able to make it to everything. And I was in a different band with Brian Unruh at the time, and he plays everything. And I asked if he wanted to join us in Wolf and be like our Oxman and then fill in for Mal or Rachel when they can't come. And then Brian just kind of became a member and then Ben had a baby and he couldn't tour. So uh, we called on our buddy Adam Kuhn. Yeah, uh, good play. dude. Yeah, he is a good dude. Um, and then back in that initial lineup, James Furness was the drummer. And so he he fills in on bass sometimes when Adam can't he's played he's played drum filled in on drums when O'Brien can't like it's just if everyone comes if it's, it's crazy but it happens <laughs> sometimes there are, like three guitar three guitarists then uh, that's
1: awesome that's what I'm here for i'm he here for play. that yeah
2: mm-hmm. it's pretty uh, amazing
1: that's uh yeah that sounds like just uh it should be the s m wolf collective at this point um it's, it's uh,
2: yeah yeah, it's basically a collective.
1: Well, it seems to be working, and you've been touring uh, to varying degrees over the last couple of years. You had a pretty long tour for Bad Ocean. Yeah, and, gosh, whether that be twenty um, uh, yeah. eighteen? So yeah, because twenty twenty is uh, a death death march the for year touring right
2: now. Legs,
1: yeah, yeah. We're in- um, World- Who's going to be sending out those booking emails saying, yeah, we played 80 shows in 2020. (laughs) Like, who's going to be (laughs) lying through their teeth? Um, Yeah, I love it. I'll get some of those pitches from the label sometimes, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) But uh, I ask all that to say, you were a special education teacher for a number of years, correct?
2: I was.
1: How long did you do that?
2: I was a teacher for four or six years and before that i i was like a special education assistant for 4 years um so 10 years working in special
1: education That's awesome. Yeah. There is a uh a rich vivacious history of people with teaching degrees or teaching experience that are also in bands. Um, yeah, why, why do you think that is?
2: <laughs> so when Guided by Voices played at the Hi-Fi a couple years ago, I met Bob Pollard afterwards and I was talking to him and he was drunk, I believe, as they get. And uh I told him I was also uh not quite myself and uh I was like, Man, like I you're like an inspiration to me in so many ways, but I know you used to be a teacher and I, I'm a teacher and also a musician. And he he looked at me very seriously and, like, held my shoulder and said, listen, there are two people, three, no, he said, listen, there are three people who have successfully transitioned (laughs) to being being a paid musician, me, Gene Simmons, and Shale Crow. So don't (laughs) quit your day job, kid. (laughs) A couple months later, I quit my job.
1: All right. All right. (laughs) that's where i knew that was coming i have a teaching i have a teaching degree and did nonprofit work for a long time oh yeah i worked in schools yeah but i uh i never formally taught and yeah. uh i've been able to navigate the sea of <laughs> that curse i guess for a while yeah <laughs> not that teaching's a curse but the curse of trying to be a band um i guess yeah one of the big things so I brought all that up was it seemed like for a couple of years every summer you're like yo yo school's out it's time to hop in the prius and yep. drive across the land mm-hmm. how long was your uh, tour and like the big summer tour in 2018 was that it was like 2 months a month
2: uh 2 months we did we basically did a big loop around the US west coast east coast south uh it was i think like just shy of 2 months it was like you know uh
1: 60 days or something that's fantastic that's healthy and and that's not a joke that you tour in a prius a little dirty. <laughs> yeah yeah yes that that's uh that's impressive uh, and that's with a three piece not i've toured in kia souls in a two piece but a a three piece in a prius is some next level uh you know, engineering to get everything in there.
2: Yeah, it is next level. There's so many, so many things that go along with touring in a Prius. I mean, one, you're helping the, the earth, which is great. And you save. I mean,
1: the production of EV batteries, you know, I mean, a lot of kids are digging that stuff out of the earth, you know, but that's fine. No, (laughs)
2: let's not go down that road. Okay. No the, the you're saving gas is fantastic <laughs> that's true uh, uh, and you you get to know each other really well,
1: you know it's an intimate experience,
2: super tight quarters. It's surprisingly comfortable though, like touring with like five people and a here's the thing. you tour in a Prius and you're like, everyone can bring one backpack, the smallest sleeping bag Amazon will sell <laughs> a throw pillow um. And you are bringing a tiny amp and all the drums have to go into each other, each other. Exactly. So like you maximize your space, you know, when you're like in a van with five people, it's like, cool, we have a van. All right, I'm going to bring the half stack and we're going to bring. Uh, but bo- tons, you know boxes of merch and i'm gonna bring you know everyone's got a big old duffel bag plus a for, sure. Bag. for sure it's like southwest flight baggage limit <laughs> compared to like american airlines you know uh it's uh uh yeah it's a different it's you get basically the same amount of space honestly like you're not comfortable in any scenario unless you have like a bed sitting up for nine hours at a time in any kind of vehicle. is Not ideal. Yeah. So you might as well, you know, I don't know. I'd say help the earth while you're doing it. You'd say like ruin children. I don't know what the (laughs) answer is there. But the, the interesting thing is when you literally only have three seats and like you play the show and you're like, Hey, if someone has a place to stay, hit us up. Nine times out of ten, it's a dude that rode there on his bicycle, and he's like, "Yeah, but like, can you give me a ride back?" Or like, his friend brought. <laughs> can in. you
1: throw your bike in here?
2: <laughs> and you gotta like finagle this weird situation where it's like, "All right, who's gonna have the stranger sit on their lap?"
1: Yeah, buddy.
2: Who's gonna sit on the other person's? you, you know who's gonna sit on your bandmate's lap? And, like, generally, you know, you're in a town you don't know, and you're just, like, cruising around with a bike on the top and four people in three seats.
1: <sighs> yeah. yeah. This, is, uh, this is the vision that uh, the world needs to have of what it looks like to tour. You know, it's not, it's not Mercedes Sprinter vans for everybody in, on the planet. Um, That's ugh. right. I, there was an article i can't even oh, remember I who saw it. yeah i can't remember who saw but it's like <laughs> th- it's like check this out this band toured in only in a sprinter van for 30 days i'm like <laughs> Whoa, i'm like well these heroes see road warriors these out freaking there. warriors out here <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, it seemed like it was God. probably they were getting paid and, oh. and I'm like, good for them, you know? But, uh, man, that article, whoever wrote it, like, really, they missed the mark there. Um,
2: I did, thought it was an Onion article. After. I did, too. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, uh, look that up at your leisure, listener. Um, so, you quit teaching, and yeah. uh, you transition out of that. Um, mm-hmm. Why'd you quit? Why'd you hang up the, the teaching... You don't wear an apron, uh, you know, the teaching calculator, the TI, what, 83? Is that it?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a thing, I think. For me, you could say, why did I hang up the teaching cardigan? I guess I still wear my cardigan, so. That's but true. Um, you know, I don't know, so many things, Chris, it's like, Uh, teaching is absolutely wonderful. I really like and miss now working with kids. Uh, I like teaching, like I like transferring information to people and and helping people. I loved working in special ed. Um, like I had a lot of kids that had behavior, uh, difficulties and it was, it was, I don't know, I liked helping them with that, um, coping skills and stuff, Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of legislation that goes into teaching that makes teaching difficult, Uh, there's a lot of pressure put on the lowest common denominator, and undue responsibility, like, it's the, I could go on, for hours about this, but it the the thing I just I got burnt out. Um and I I tried switching school districts and ended up in a really great school that I loved and loved my administration and my coworkers and the kids. But after those couple years I just realized
1: like I just need a break. Like this and, cardigan is wore out. This cardigan's
2: cardigan. got
1: nothing left to give.
2: Wore out. Exactly. Yeah. Um and my life wasn't not, not stressful at the time outside of school either. So it was just, like, a whole bunch of stuff. And, and I felt like I just needed a break, you know? Uh, and, like, yeah, it, it kind of got to the point to where I was going to work in the mornings and feeling kind of like, I mean, it felt like a job. It's like, here I go to work again, and I just want to be home and not doing this and I started to feel kind of, like, apathetic. And, like, as a teacher, apathy is not a great trait, and I didn't feel like I was giving my all anymore to, like, the kids, you know? And that's the whole freaking point of getting into teaching was was to be...
1: was that hunger. It's the hunger.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I mean, like-
1: first off, it's really commendable that... A, anyone who teaches, but B, especially special education, like the turnover rate is generally about a year for anyone in the special education field. So for you to do it that long, it's awesome. And as long as I've known you, man, you always seem like a very uh, empathetic person. And I've got to imagine a lot of that comes from your time uh, working with some of those with challenges. And I'm just always impressed by that so i wanted to that's why i wanted to ask about your time so
2: thanks i appreciate that yeah Great. man
1: um so you have worked with a few different labels uh independent labels uh who who all of you worked with
2: um so uh we started with a label that i think is pretty much now defunct called in-store recording uh which now Derek v- Vordren, who ran that label, was doing post recording. Um, so our first two things records came out on that, and then uh, we worked with Jurassic Pop, who is also, I think, more or less now defunct. For are you kn- ki-
1: are you killing all of these labels?
0: <clears throat>
2: you know, I do have a knack for killing labels. <laughs> kind of, kind of a thing of mine. Uh. <clears throat> The only label I've worked with uh, regularly that I haven't killed is Pioptic, which is—I don't—I—I I think Mike's just waiting for me to kill him.
1: That's why he keeps bringing me back. Um, Mike can never die. Mike is—he uh, <laughs> Mike's know. a man. Of, Mike's a man of mystery and, and intrigue, and I can't wait to expose. Expose him to the world further <laughs> on this podcast here soon. He already asked me about interviewing him, and I got I need to do some serious research to, to tell the story of a man who drives a triangle car. You know I, that's
2: I can give you some goods. That's ready. for oh, that. we're
1: we're going we're we'll get to a little little more Mike Dixon. Um, <laughs> it's in, it's in my notes here. <laughs> um,
2: so, those labels, and we did one very small like one-off thing with Joyful Noise uh also
1: okay um a lot of those labels i know are pretty experimental and mm-hmm. i think that fits fits you well so your newest album phases of what came out last week and you did this album entirely on your own correct Yes. Yeah. okay um what would you say i guess as much as you're willing to like what are what's like the tone or what is the you know, the message or what are you getting at um in this record and what's maybe what's maybe like your favorite song off the record? Yeah. Um
2: it's a very for me it's a relatively like clear depression record. Uh it was I I had planned on it being a solo album i i had just kind of i wrote it while we were we had just got done recording that ocean um and we were getting it ready we were i was mixing it at the time and i just like i was like
1: to be clear for you own your own studio uh correct yeah called cola cult yes all right and that's why you're able to do this um I think it's right. important for a listener to know. Okay, uh, keep going, my friend.
2: Oh yeah, sure. So I was hunkered down in the the dungeon of the coal cult, and uh, and uh, I was mixing and and I just I was like living alone at the time in this big house, and I was like getting ready to go through a divorce, and like was struggling. just like I don't know, it, you know, it was winter, and it like. Just was like finishing mixing this record I worked really hard on, realized I didn't have anything, any like release plan for it yet, like no label lined up or anything. And it was just very like, uh, I don't know. I I was just moody, you know, Indiana winter, all that jazz. And it's real. It's real. And it's just
1: gray. It's just gray all the time.
2: uh, Yeah. And I just started, I was I just started writing a bunch and I was playing a lot of piano and like playing a lot of acoustic guitar and just like loads of songs started coming to me and I just started fleshing them out and I had like three done and I was like well screw it I'm just gonna I'm gonna record I'm just gonna record these because what the fuck else am I gonna do so so I recorded these three songs on tape. And uh, initially, I thought, like, maybe these could be s wolf songs. And I thought, like, eh, they don't really fit. And we're getting ready to put out a record. So I'm just going to record them without a plan. And then I just kept doing that. Like, mm-hmm. every, t- every time I'd get, like, two or three songs, I would record a new batch to the point to where I had 12. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <clears throat> crap. I just recorded a, a record, um, so it's very like it's it's very much in that place and in that time. It's kind of it's about kind of being like feeling isolated, being frustrated, being kind of just like uh, unable to relate to people, um, wanting to like get out of it, but not really there yet. But like being on the verge of it. You know like it's very like self-healthy uh, and yeah i guess that's like the general vibe of it uh i think my favorite track is the last one called are you happy um, yeah that
1: song um there's that sounds pretty brutal <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's 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 a good song it's a great song um but it i think from like an art standpoint um i it felt very uh, linen-ish, like it. Uh, it just continued on with this message of this question: "Are you happy with this? Are you happy with that?" And I felt like it, likely, um, probably was just a giant release of kind of all of the mental questions you had uh, during some of that time.
2: Yeah, it it was. I was. I have to say that I do think. I was straight ripping like the first two or three Lennon solo records on a few of these. Like I, I was I, <laughs> I was on a very deep John Lennon kick. Well, that's uh, good.
1: I'm glad that I didn't guess wrong. You know, no, nothing. You nothing's right. better than interviewing someone. They're like, "No, Lennon sucks." Like, <laughs> and then you're like, "Okay, sorry." Yeah.
2: No, I was on a I was on a super deep Lennon kick, and uh, yeah, I, I just like I I had just sat down at the piano one day and I was just pounding out those four chords and I just started like singing are you happy with blank and I wrote down like 10 things and I thought like I'm going to keep going with this and as I kept writing it I kept thinking like maybe I should add to it add a section and then I was like no I kind of like just like the meditative vibe really draws you in and makes you think whether or not you're happy with it uh but it's all like i'm talking to myself there for all of it but i think it's you know most of it's probably relatively relatable
1: for sure and what's the uh single off this album uh
2: yeah the single is old deposits of truth
1: okay um yeah. We'll be sure to to pump that in here. Uh, I'll think. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I've already listened to the album. I really enjoy it, and I think uh, just about anything in your discography is pretty fantastic. Um, What do you? uh, I think one of the cool experiences that you've got to have that I think a lot of touring musicians would love to have is you toured Japan uh, last year, correct? Yeah. Uh, tell me about that man goodness gracious japan seems like the coolest place on the planet
2: yeah it was it was pretty wild (laughs) um so like four years ago one of my best friends named guy lives in japan and he was in my old band amo joy that i referenced earlier um he's a great musician bassist guitarist um and like four years ago i went to visit him in japan and uh <clears throat> we we played a show when I was there and played some S.M. Wolf songs, played some A.M.A. Joy songs. Uh, his friend, who he was in a band with there, named Eddie, she played drums, he played bass, and I played guitar. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, so I... Uh, when I quit my teaching job, I hit him up. He's uh, He's always talked like if You want to actually tour? Like, hit me up, we could talk about it. So, when I quit my teaching job, I was like, Hey, man, I'm gonna go travel and I want to come to Japan and I want to tour. So, he basically booked the whole thing. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, it was so much different than touring in the states, yet so similar at the same time. Uh, there's certainly japanese customs that go along with playing shows that we don't have here um that were a little some a little like different in like a weird way and some different in a really awesome way um but then you know like the the joys and woes of touring were all the same you know running late having to figure out how much you should speed on the highway and like uh (laughs) figuring out sharing gear in some spots and like you know trying real hard to peddle your merchandise and wares. like we did we did pretty well with with all of that but you know uh same kind of stuff like we played a couple shows that were relatively poorly attended and then a couple of shows that were just like packed and crazy. It was just like touring the state, you know?
1: Yeah. Just um, as
2: glamorous and just glamorous just, as, as
1: the- just as Ritz-Carlton as the Midwest. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Midwest is a great place to tour out of, though. Um, and I think well, that gets lost on people. I think everybody thinks you gotta either go to Nashville, L.A., or New York. And it's like, no, don't like, unless you have a plan Mm -hmm. to be as to why to be there, man, out of here, the great heartland, you can hit up, you know, I could name probably 25 good cities to hit within like four hours. Mm -hmm. And that is not the reality for a lot of, uh, the U S you know, as far as touring or just a lot of people globally, even at times. Um, and, Yeah, I always think about that. Um, So you get back from Japan. You're sitting on this album. Mm -hmm. And at what point did you approach? uh, I'm going to guess you approached Mike and said, hey, I've got this. Do you want to put it out? How did that go?
2: So, uh, Mike, so after I went to Japan, I went to Europe and I played three shows, solo shows in Europe one in Italy, one in Spain, and one in Portugal. And Mike actually met me over there uh, in Italy and uh, quote-unquote tour-managed me (laughs)
1: for the last two and a half or so. Mike Dixon is the tax master, so I have no doubt um, (laughs) there is some sort of title attached to his time with you.
2: For sure. I think he's... All of the tax benefits he would have gotten have been paid have been wasted on Italian uh, traffic tickets. But
1: yeah, he keeps uh, (laughs) talking about that. Yeah,
2: Um, I told him not to get. I told him it wasn't smart to get a car. That's a different story for another time, though. Um, He met me over there, and on one of our very long car rides when we were listening to. Massive amounts of Chris Christofferson. He, I, we were just talking and I was like, Yeah, I got this record I recorded. I I don't know what to really do with it. And I put it on and he was like, Man, this is great. You should put it out. And I was like, Yeah, but like, what, like, just as myself or like as SM Wolf? And he was like, I mean, you're doing the SM Wolf thing. It, makes sense to just do it as us and wolf you've already got like you know people that give a shit <laughs> Like, that's true uh, yeah as well uh and i was like will you put it out and he was like sure <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was it uh did
1: you have to convince your bandmates or anything like yeah, did you
2: so so we're actually we would have probably been done tracking it by now had the pandemic not happened, but we were, we have five tracks recorded for a new, new record. Um, and we're super stoked on it. And, uh, we're working on that. And, uh, this, you know, after I got back, well, before I left, we had already started recording it. Um, so I talked with them and I was just like, hey, this record's probably not going to be done for like another year, at least not ready to come out. I've got this one just sitting around. We haven't put anything out since 2018. Mike thinks it's a good idea.
1: Uh, you got guys- this record that I bare my soul on. What do you guys
0: think? <laughs> yeah,
2: it's super personal thing <laughs> that I did everything on. Uh everyone was totally cool with it though that like they were like yeah you know that's fine like whatever like do it um and we like we had started rehearsal for for a release show to, like we were gonna play them all live and that was going so well before all the shit happened but and since like uh, you know it's kind of set a precedent as for SM Wolf. Solo stuff with the first two records, um, it just it it makes it makes more sense. I mean, being in a band, I mean, you can well, you have a small band, so but I'm sure you can still relate.
1: How but dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have two people. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of ego to be filled. <laughs> there's not. There's a lot of like garbage food that needs to be eaten. That's about it.
2: I've been resisting eating Taco Bell so hard the last couple months. It's terrible. Um, it makes me feel home. It makes me feel like I'm on the road. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I uh, um I've I've which is part of kind of why Asimov is a collective of sorts is like you know being in your like early twenties. It's really easy to find a group of people and be like, "Hey, commit to my songs." And we're going to sound
1: and these we're gonna- are great. Create- I promise
2: we're going to get, we're going to get famous. Eventually we're going to put out records. People, you know, are going to listen to us play and they're going to be dancing and really love it. And it's just going to fill your soul up, you know, of course it's way harder to do that when you're 35 <laughs> and everyone uh, in your band is in their thirties, you know, like, a people have jobs, people have kids, people have you know health issues creeping up, people can't sleep on hardwood floors anymore like
1: pe- like it's typically a young man's game.
2: It is typically a young man's game. So I I've, I've kind of decided that like it's really not fair to expect that that like total commitment from a group of people for my my songs. Uh, And I mean, like, when we write band records as a band, like, I mean, we all write stuff, but, you know, I write the lyrics and everything. Uh, So I I feel like over the last few years, I've kind of been, that's kind of why we've, like, transitioned into, like, a whoever can show up that knows the songs that can fit the band formation can play, and we can play that show. Uh, And I, like, traveling, uh, like, in Europe... I played those solo shows as S. M. Wolf solo, you know. Of course. Um, so it's kind like it's certainly not like a solo project by any means, but it's. I think at this point, with life being what it is, not being fluid is a death sentence to the band, you know. Like it, if we stay fluid and we stay active in whatever form we can be active in at the time, then I think we can keep trucking along. But if if I were to say, or someone were to say, like, if it's not the these five people, it's I'm out. Wolf done. SM Wolf would be not a band anymore. You know, like it, it, it'd be done Uh, <clears throat> so I think that's everyone's kind of on that page. So, like, p- getting back to the original question, yeah, releasing a record that says SM Wolf, that's just me, wasn't that far off.
1: Well, I'm glad it worked out. I think the world is is better for it. And you can order that now on your uh, Bandcamp on CD, tape. And it's a CD with a um, a lathe track cut into it, correct? Yes, bonus track. That's pretty spicy. That's pretty spicy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't even have that. Um, So, yeah, we will be sure to pimp out all that you're doing and i'm ready to get you about out of here um we have a quick little round of the really important questions why people show up and listen to this podcast in oh, droves God. in hordes every oh, week the and hordes hear it? oh yeah they're 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 hungry they're hungry oh, for for some of these questions um right. so first question uh, what's your favorite cereal autumn harvest.
2: Like <laughs> this week. I know it's the most boring thing, but it's so
1: delicious. <laughs> All right, that's the most Caucasian answer you could yeah. possibly have. Um,
2: Take a second, I would say booberry. But like okay. the,
1: If you're living wild, if you're really feeling frisky.
2: <laughs> once, if once in October, I get the blueberry.
1: Okay, that's good. That's a good call. Uh, <laughs> what's your uh, favorite cartoon? doug it's what doug doug nice uh what is the best character trait of your dog
2: oh my god how am i gonna pick one
1: what's your dog's name first obi okay this is a special dog to you right this isn't just any other any other dog oh
2: no he's a freaking dog man
1: (laughs) he's a dog
2: Uh, He's a dog to end all dogs. Can I can I show you what his best character trait is?
1: I mean, uh, we don't have any video right now, but yeah, <laughs> sure. Just <laughs> we'll see if you can hear.
2: Hey, Obi, you awake? He always sleeps. He's always sleeping. He's an old hound dog. Here we go. Let's see. <laughs>
1: some soul he's got some soul some serious soul that is yeah, that, that we is have terrible. to trust listener that like you're not prodding this dog right now that you're he's doing no. this voluntarily
2: a Piano <laughs> and and got him started yeah he's very happy to laying on laying in bed
1: that's awesome yeah, yeah he appears to be uh appears to be quite the pal um,
2: he is quite the pal
1: uh two more questions. Uh what makes Mike Dixon an ideal soulmate?
2: <laughs> uh Oh my god, what makes Mike Dixon an ideal soulmate? Well, he always tells me no and then tells me yes the next day. So like he kind of makes me want him more and then he gives it to
1: me nice he, nice he's a bit of a prude like you gotta <laughs>
2: yeah you gotta wait for it
1: you gotta work for it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> fantastic um is there any other secondary traits that you think makes him ideal like
2: <laughs> um i mean he's he's very Funny and also very much one with the flow of the universe these days. Whoa! Yeah, he's. If you got four hours to spare, call Mike Dixon and ask. Tell me about the universe. Oh boy!
1: All right, man. I can't wait. I can't wait <laughs> to interview him. I'll probably make it a two-parter.
2: <laughs> yeah, you'll ask.
1: And then our final question is: What makes Adam? an ideal soulmate as you're out there figuring your way out through the universe. What so makes you an ideal soulmate? Oh <laughs> <sighs> Chris,
2: this is listen to the <laughs> listen to the fucking record. It uh, my souls on <laughs> It's I'm, already there. It's already there. <laughs> I'm so sweet, you know? I'm just the sweetest
1: you are, you are a sweet indiana boy it's it's true it's true it's true what they say um, <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh yeah i think that uh i think that about does it I think that's what America wants right now you know yeah. is yeah. uh a siesta from the fiesta of virus and uh <laughs> and you offer oh, that yeah. to the people, my man so oh. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, S.M. Wolf's new album out now on their band camp called Phases of What. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll share out links as to where you can buy that, stream it, and uh, chomp on your computer and listen to it if you, uh, if you must. And thanks again for coming on. And hope everything uh, goes your way. And I hope you're back to work in a safe uh, capacity, if that's at all possible, in the coming days. So, yeah, thanks, it's thanks wild for times that. out there, man. Yeah, dude, thanks for coming on. Yeah. All right. Later, man.
2: Later. Uh-oh.
1: I made a fist to the air
2: unspoken
1: I made a fist to
2: the floor unbroken I couldn't draw blood I couldn't draw B-